Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Caronto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, what's going on? See, well, I changed the intro there. up. <laughs> <laughs> Not much. How are you, Nick? I totally, I totally changed the intro this week, so sorry. Uh, I'm good. Um, I assume you've seen some movies this week. I saw a movie. I saw Joker. Oh, you saw it? I did. I did not get to. Bummer. Yeah, but I saw three other movies. Wow. I watched. We got a sponsor for this this week's episode. All right. <laughs> and Jackie has had requested me watch Barbie as the Princess and the Pauper from ja- two thousand from two thousand four. Jackie, what the fuck? <laughs> So I watched that. Uh, I also watched The Descent from oh, 2005. Right. From 2005, and then I watched The Descent Part Two from 2009, also known as The Descent again. <laughs> the, the Descent this time with flashbacks. Spoiler alert. Good. So you've seen it. I have. Okay, great. Well, I guess I'll just go through my movies and we'll save the Joker for the end. Okay. Um, all right. So, as I said, listener Jackie, Jackie, who sponsored the show this week, Thank requested you. we watch the princess Barbie Boom. as the princess and a pauper from 2004. This was directed by William Lau and was an agonizing one hour and 25 minutes long. Jackie says that this is her favorite movie and that she could watch it every day. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How old Mm -hmm. is Jackie? Like 25, I'm going to guess. Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? I should Uh, judge. I haven't seen it. Please tell us about it. Yeah. The, The title, Barbie as the princess and the pauper, was not a good movie, but... I will say some of the songs were quite catchy. Moving on. No, I'm just (laughs) In this story. Damn, Baby Shark song is pretty catchy, too. I get to hear that all the time. Oh, Lord. So Barbie, Princess, and the Pauper is the story of the Prince and the Pauper, except with Barbie. And Barbie is born in a kingdom somewhere and across the street and, and down the road a, a poor oh and she's a princess and across the street and down the road is a is another girl it's who was born who looks just like her except she's got brown, brown hair. hair that's right How, how'd you know because uh, <laughs> i've seen movies before <laughs> oh okay barbie Let's just say Princess Anna, because they don't call her call her Barbie. It's, this is Barbie oh. in a dual role movie. Is what's going on here? Is that this isn't this isn't like a this is Barbie being this character? It's weird. It's like this weird meta thing. I also think there are a bunch of other Barbie characters that I don't know anything about. Like I think Ken is involved at some point, but but all of the CG. This is a CGI movie, and it's from 2004 so it looks just Excellent. terrible oh oh yeah that too so princess annalise 
lives in a castle and she's loved by her mother and her father. And then we jump forward 20 years to where her father's dead for some reason. And her mother needs to marry off Princess Annalise in order to save the kingdom from bankruptcy because the royal gold mine has gone dry. So she's selling her daughter to wow. the prince like in the kingdom down the road. And Princess Annalise not on board with this plan. She wants to live her life and she loves Julian, the guy who lives in the castle and is like a teacher or something. He like tells her how to learn. He's a tutor of some sort, but, but also knows how to hunt and track things down. I'm not, not really clear on what Julian is, but princess Annalise is in love with Julian. Okay. But up the street, and across the road is her exact double or doppelganger. And she is but a lowly seamstress who works for this mean lady who has her in a form of indentured servitude called indentured servitude. Oh, yeah. And they say that a couple of times, which is weird. Disguise that one very well. (laughs) No. So the poor girl's name is Erica, which isn't a very old timey princess or old timey kingdom name, but you know, her name's Erica. It's a nice name. Erica's family, when she was a baby, needed to feed her. So I guess they borrowed money from the seamstress lady, and the seamstress lady now owns her because of it for forever, which doesn't make any sense. Anyway, she's really good at making dresses, and it turns out Princess Annalise buys all her dresses from this lady that mm-hmm. Erica makes the dresses for. Princess uh, Annalise, her, her, she also has a a cat that can talk, kind of. Uh huh. And Erica has a cat that thinks it's a dog. And there's a horse that's the most horrifying thing you've ever seen. And there's a a poodle that's a dog, and it's got a gold tooth, and he's a he's bad. Poodles and he, are he's, dogs. Yes, that's true. But he's a guy, but he's he looks like a fancy poodle, like with the goofy haircut, and you just kind of assume it's a girl dog. Oh, okay. But it's a guy dog. You and you binary which is, ex- exclusionist. <laughs> which is fine. A dog can have his hair cut however he wants. I don't that's care. Better. And so <laughs> the dog is owned by Preminger, who is voiced by Martin Short, which is an immediate red flag for me. Because I really can't stand Martin Short. Does a good job in this movie. He's quite passable. Perringer, or, or as I'll call him Martin Short from now on, he has this whole scheme to have Princess Annalise kidnapped and like disappeared. And through a, a wide, convoluted thing, he has stolen all of the kingdom's gold and he will become king. And that's like his, his goal. So there's your, mm. there's your villain. Princess Annalise is like, man, I don't, I don't want to marry this guy I've never met. And Julian is like, yeah, I can hear, I can hear that. Let's go into town. So we go into town, and guess who she runs into? Erica. Oh my her god, exact double. <laughs> I am shocked. And they sing together, and and it's weird, and they and they're like best friends immediately because they look similar, except for the brown hair. And then Princess Annalise 
goes back to the castle and gets kidnapped or something. So Julian goes back out into the city. Oh, because, oh, I'm sorry, I left out a whole thing. The king from the other kingdom has come to marry her. He finds out that she's not there, but he's pretending to be Did you say this someone was an not? hour long or like eight hours long? Almost nine. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Prince Eric, as I'll call him, because that's the guy from The Little Mermaid. And uh, so Prince Eric is like, well, if she's not here, we're, we're going to have to leave. And the guy Julian's like, hold on, hold on. I, I think I know where she is. And he goes and gets Erica. Well, it's, that's confusing with the Prince Eric. I got to think of a. We'll call him Prince Charming. There, there we, we go. go. Yeah. So she goes, he goes and gets Erica and he's like, Hey, I need you to be the princess because she's God knows where. And she's like, Oh, I don't know, but okay. And, and then in a, he sings her a song and she knows how to be a princess. And then the movie just goes on for like 45 more minutes until her wig falls off. (laughs) That was the first 15 minutes. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh my God. Yeah. There are five songs in the first 45 minutes of this movie. Three of them are pretty good. Like where I was like, oh, I'm on board with the songs. And especially if they're this good, they get descendingly worse. In the last like half hour, there are no songs. And I was, and I was bored. Huh. I, stopped, I really stopped paying attention. And so did my daughter. My daughters were watching this with me too. And they were kind of into it until the song stopped. And then they got kind of bored. And then there's more kidnapping and more people disappearing. And then Martin Short locks Julian and Princess Annalise in a coal mine or cave system, which I thought was apropos for the movies that I watched this week because they're in a cave. And so like they're trapped in the cave. And if they're not out in time, Martin Short's going to marry the queen and then he'll be king. And oh, no, a cat saves them somehow by digging a hole and and, and rescuing them. And then they f- they ride a bucket to freedom. And then <laughs> <laughs> that's and the then, part that really gets Jackie. <laughs> And then they, they ride in the town and they're like, you did this to me, Preminger. And Martin Short's like, curses. And he tries to ride away on his horrifying, horrifyingly ugly horse. And then the horse is like running away. And then he goes, nope, we're going back because the horse could talk. And he, and he rides he rides back and throws him into the wedding cake. Oh, everyone gets their comeuppance. And so Julianne and Princess Annalise are, are able to marry for some reason. And the king from the other town and Erica, you're like, oh, well, this is a slam dunk for this guy. He's got the girl he wants because he fell in love with the poor girl, even though she was pretending to be rich, which is a lie. And so he, she, she's like, oh, I don't want to marry you. And he's like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? She's like, I want to I want to go on the road and be a singer. And so she goes out and performs one show and then she comes back because she realizes that life as a performer isn't all it's cracked up to be. What? <laughs> so she gets married to him and they have a dual wedding with Princess Annalise and the two of them get married and then their their cats get married. What? And the cat. Yep. Their cats get married, and I think the horses get married, too, because there's, like, a weird shot of the ugly horse with a lady horse, and he's like, I'm going to have horse sex with her on his face. And the cats have, like, a thousand kittens that bark and meow, and wow, what a what an experience. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, glad this you movie, watched that. This movie has a 6.8 on IMDb. <laughs> and there's 4,000 ratings on it. <sighs> oh, my God. So Jackie has kids, right? No. Jackie's a, a young, capable woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, she paid me to, she paid the show. You get a cut uh, of that. Yeah. To watch this movie. And so I, I have watch it <laughs> fulfilled my end of the bargain. Oh, man. Well. I thought this movie was going to be 57 minutes and you're out. It was much longer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, it cost is, you uh, so much more. <laughs> yeah. That horse face. is. I had to rewind it. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> the first time he popped up and then he starts talking and he's French or something. Because everybody in this movie has a different accent. There's the Barbies, which are American, of course. Uh And then Julian guy, I think, is also American, but Prince Charming is a different uh, nationality. And then you got the cat who's English, and then the other cat dog who's Australian. And then the the man dog, the man poodle is, uh, I forget what he is, but he's got a gold tooth that he's real proud of. Uh, Yeah, it was, I don't want to see it again, but I bet I will. I bet I will. Not if your kids didn't even like it. They didn't dislike it, but they got bored, which means that they'll want to watch it again. Uh, I don't understand the logic of that, but I'm also not a kid. Kids are weird. They got weird tastes. Let's not forget about Jackie. (laughs) Okay, sure, sure, sure. Oh, I was just saying, you said kids have weird taste. (laughs) Right, yeah. So, Jackie... Thanks for patronizing our show. <laughs> so, Jackie, why do you like this movie? Oh, we should have her on as a guest where she can explain herself. That's not a bad idea. I'm sure she would love it. Cool. So, listeners, stay tuned for more discussion of Barbie, the princess, and the pauper. I look so, forward to her setting us straight. <laughs> yeah, telling us why we're wrong. Yeah. All right. Then, on to my second movie that I watched this week. All right. The Descent. From 2005, which was directed by Neil Marshall. And this movie was good for about 40 minutes. And then it turns into just straight garbage. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) The minute... The minute they, the, all right. So spoil. I, I'm sorry, I didn't do any spoiler alerts for the Barbie movie. First of all, so apologies, everyone. The Descent. Spoiler alert for this 20 year old movie now, or I guess 15 years. I'm going to spoil this. Yeah. So the the plot of this movie is this group of girls who are extreme sports ladies. They, they like to get their thrills, but you know they're cool with each other. They they go whitewater rafting and cave diving or something. Spelunky. So they go, yeah. There you go. At the beginning of the movie, they go whitewater rafting and they have a grand old time. Yeah. And then the British lady who's the lead, Shauna McDonald, she plays Sarah. Sarah and Juno are the only people that I know in this movie because all the other girls just just blur into one blonde lady. What so, about the Irish one with the short black hair? Who's she didn't blur into the others, did she? No, no, but she's 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 like part of Juno. She's one of Juno's ladies. Oh, I see. 
Yeah. After their whitewater adventure adventure trip, Sarah and her husband and child, who are some for some reason waiting for them on the side of the road, leave, and then they get into a horrible car accident. And her husband dies, and the daughter dies. And it's very sad. And you're like, oh, that's sad. All right, moving on. And because it's, pretty, that's how uh, the- it's pretty gruesome, too. It is. It's very gruesome. So the movie continues. She, it's like a year later, and she's back with the girls again, trying to put her past behind her. But she can't, because it was horrible, and she lost her entire family. And they decide to go cave diving. And one of their friends, Juno is like an expert cave person and she's got a friend sam and all of the gals come together from all over the world to go to the appalachian mountains and they spend one fun night of beer drinking and then it's up early in the morning for some reason to go cave diving or spelunking we looked up the definition between caving and spelunking and i don't Uh remember what the what they are i have no. forgotten one means you're the first person to explore a cave uh, and one means just exploring a cave for a recreation that's probably caving spelunking sounds like exploring so maybe yeah, that's, that's when true. you're the first one so they go into this cave and uh-huh. but before they do the juno lady the one who's the expert cave person she grabs the tour book with the map of the cave and then she says nah and throws it down. And you're like, why wouldn't you bring that book? You're bringing 14 flares. Well, because she knows they're not going to the cave that's actually in the book. Yeah, I know. But still, bring a book and then you can still continue to lie. When, when, when it all goes to hell, you can continue your lie. So they go into this cave and everything's going great. And at this point in the movie, I'm all on board. I'm like, this movie's great. I'm loving this. And then I didn't know that there was a supernatural, well, not a supernatural, but like a monsters in this movie. I just thought it was going to be about these girls stuck in a cave and then like they slowly die one by one kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Things go wrong. The Juno lady took them into some mysterious cave that no one's ever heard of for some reason. And they get tra- trapped and they it's don't know great. how to get out. It's not. It's 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 good. It's good up through this part. Through this part, it's still really good. Where you're like, oh man, these girls are trapped. And then the girl whose family is dead, she starts like hallucinating a little bit. And you're like, oh man, this chick's going crazy. Is she going to be the reason like everything goes wrong? Because she's trying to follow the laughing voice of her daughter like all over the caves. And you're like, uh, first of all, if you heard laughing laughing in a cave, mention it to someone else. Don't just wander off. Anyway, the movie goes on. The The girls panic because they can't, they're not going to find a way out of the cave. The dark haired Irish girl who Juno brought along runs ahead for some reason in a dark cave and falls into a big hole and she breaks her leg in an awesomely gruesome way. And so they all go down to like help her and they're like, we're never going to get out of this cave. We're never going to get out. And I'm like, no, you're never getting out of this cave. This is great. And then like the dead family girls like look, walking around because she's bored, like with all this blood around her because this one girl's bleeding everywhere, but she's, you know, going to live for now. And so she just she like hears a child's laughter and she's like, oh, that's charming. I guess I'll go follow that in the dark. And so she goes after goes after that and shines her light down the hall. And then she sees like a monster at the end of the at the end of the cave tunnel. There's a a monster yeah. down there, and it looks like bat person, like without wings or fur. It's just like a, a cave elf 
or something. I don't I don't know how else to describe it, but like a dark elf and or, or like a person who's subterranean and albino. like a mole a mole person with elf ears. And it's like, holy shit, there's a monster. And then I went, oh no, there's a monster. Ow. And it's at that moment the movie starts to go off a ledge. Oh, let me rewind to what the night when they're partying in the cabin. This was my favorite part of the movie because we first started watching this movie last, last week, week my back, yeah. when my back was hurt real bad uh-huh. and I can't move. Right. We're, we're watching this and the, the dead family ladies like looking out the window of the cabin and she's like, oh, I miss my dead daughter. And then all of a sudden this pole comes through the window and goes through her head and you're like, oh, she's dreaming. It's the first of many jump scares in this movie, but it made me jump and I jumped so hard I hurt my back. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can't. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. And then my wife is like, we have to turn this off because it's going to kill you. I thought that was fun. Uh, and anyway, they're in the cave and she sees the monster and she like turns around to tell everyone and that Juno lady is right behind her and she's like, what's up? I'm not sleeping with your husband. They go back and she's like, I saw a monster and they're like, you're just crazy. You're just crazy because your family's dead. And she's like, well, that's out of line. But why don't we just keep being lost in this cave? And so they keep going. At some point, they climb a ledge. And at the top of the ledge is just bones. It's this whole field of bones, like white bleached bones, totally clean. And they all don't seem to care very much right away. And then one girl pulls out her camcorder because we all forgot she had it. And she's like, oh, luckily this camera has night vision. So she turns on the camera and she's looking around and the movie gets a little Blair Witchy, but it's okay because you're on board. And then she like turns to look at her friend and there's a monster right behind her. (laughs) What are you talking about? It gets Blair Witchy. What do you mean? It's a little found footagey. I didn't really care for it. Oh, oh, because you're looking through the camcorder. Yeah, but it was effective because that monster wasn't there, and then it was there, and then everyone sees it, and they freak the f out. And it's at that moment the movie falls all the way off the cliff for me. But I still liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a whole half a movie left. Yeah, I don't care about the second half. And then... it gets it gets real dumb. It gets it turns into exactly what you think is going to happen. What's until the I, end? I, I think until at that the point, end. Well, we'll we'll get to the end because there are two different versions. Really? Yeah. But what what's what's the problem with it after that? Because I feel like it's it, it is a pretty straightforward monster movie after that point. But like, what's well, is it just is it just that you didn't want that? Because I mean, I think as as a monster movie, the second half does a pretty pretty good job of being a monster movie. I think it's you, you kind of hit it. I think you hit it right on the head. It's. I thought you said it's tits. And so, <laughs> that's why I started it's, it's, laughing. It's tense. <laughs> that's why I started laughing. There's oh. there's tension <laughs> because of the house, how stretched out Juno's bra is. I think you kind of hit it right on the head. Where it's like a very interesting movie that doesn't need the monster aspect because I didn't know anything about it going in. Like I thought it was like a, a scary movie, but like the first 45 minutes of it is just about these girls on an adventure that goes awry. Yeah. And I'm like, this is very good. This is a very exciting movie. And then it just turns into yeah. this horror movie that I didn't want, like, I kind of just want, I, I wanted to hear the story of how these girls either succumb or escape from the environment that they're trapped in. 
and the monster thing like comes on so like casually, but like, you know, it's coming and you're like, Oh no, is this a monster movie? And you're like, Oh, I don't want a monster movie. So I think that's a little bit on me for not wanting the product that they delivered. But the, the first half of the movie is so well executed that they veer. It's like predator uh-huh. where like the yeah. first half of the movie is just this action movie. And then the second half turns into a horror movie. I don't think it is as well done as predator it's that's not to say it's it's poorly made it's wonderfully shot and i was reading the the trivia on it like i thought that they were shooting inside the the a cave somewhere and i was like this movie is fantastic looking like the lighting is cool there's a lot of colors especially for being inside a cave and it's just really well done like there's a lot of depth in a very claustrophobic environment i really enjoyed that there is a lot of tension the storytelling elements are are really good up until when the horror movie starts and it just and, and i think what's really disappointing is that it's it's just like a c grade horror movie and it deserves better than that huh and the twist or whatever with like the, the spoilers uh, where like the Juno chick was banging the main girl's husband or whatever. I knew what was going on from that very first scene where the sure. husband, for some reason, is toweling her off. Yeah. And then and then he's like, I guess I got to go with my wife. And she's like resentful. And I'm like, well, she's clearly banging that guy. And then like they take forever to resolve it. And the way they resolve it is so ham fisted and, and sloppy where that Juno chick is fighting off monsters. Like she's literally fighting them off of her back. And then this one girl runs up to her like a monster and she understandably attacks her with her rock climbing pick like Tomb Raider stabs her in the neck with it, essentially killing her. I'm like, oh, that's not your fault, Juno. I mean, you're responsible for everything that's happened here, but this this particular incident is understandable what's happened where you've accidentally slain your friend. And then the girl is like dying and she's like, oh, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me here. And Juno, who is clearly traumatized by everything, just kind of walks away from the situation. And I'm like, that's... Not an admirable thing to do, but I understand what's happening. Everyone else has run away. This girl at least stuck around for like two seconds before she faded out on you. And then later in this movie, the monsters have like a feeding pit or something next to their giant blood pool. This girl gets thrown into it and she's not dead. She's not dead by a long shot. Like nothing could kill this lady. (laughs) at the end of the movie i expected her to show up again with her crushed skull the main girl finds her and she's like got this hole in her throat and she's like hey hey juno has betrayed us all (laughs) and she's like what she's like she's banging she's banging your husband that's why the she doesn't say any of that (laughs) she she basically says that (laughs) you're you're misleading the listeners (laughs) She's like, she's banging your husband. They're in love. And she's like, no, that can't be true. That's impossible. And she's like, search your feelings. You know it to be true. And she says, no. I'd like, and to, then she, I'd like to enact a more accurate representation. It sounds a bit more like this. Juno did this. Kill me. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, so she decides, you can't leave me like this, like everyone else has. It all started in a small town outside of Essex. (laughs) 
And so she's like, oh, don't ask me to do this. And she's like, do it, kill me through her like throat hole. And the girl's like, like she looks like she's going to smother her. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. She's just going to breathe through her throat hole like a person with a tracheotomy. And so I guess she figures that out, too. And she finds a big rock and throws it at her head. <laughs> There's a satisfying scrunch sound. And she's like, Ugh, gross. Now I'm covered in her blood, too. And then the movie continues. Oh, I should mention this. I forgot about the part where the one doctor that they have dissects one of the monsters. And she's like, I don't know. I guess it's blind because it lives in a cave, but it can hear really good. Let's keep making noise because they're everywhere, apparently. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we should get away. And this one girl whose hands got mangled by a... uh, there was a rope climbing incident and her hands got all jacked up because of that. That whole scene had me asking questions too. I was like, what kind of a person doing that isn't prepared for when someone falls? That's the whole reason you're doing that. The belaying, I think it's called when you're like holding the rope for someone climbing. She's like trying to get away from the monsters and her hands are all messed up and she gets halfway across this pit and a monster jumps on her and rips out her throat, but she kills it or something. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but she's like left hanging there. That comes up later. The movie keeps going. Eventually it's down to Juno and the main girl and Juno and the main girl meet up and the main girl's like, Hey, did you hear what happened to uh old skull crushy? And she's like, yeah, she's dead. <laughs> She's dead. She's dead along with everybody else. And and main girl's like, oh, yeah? Did you watch her die? And the girl's like, mm-hmm, I guess. <laughs> and she's like, how'd she die? And she's like, uh, you know, shit happens. And she's like, uh-huh. Well, now we're enemies or whatever. And so, like, they go on for, like, another ten minutes. There's, like, a part where they're, like, trapped or cornered. So they, like, look at each other. And the main girl takes her pickaxe and stabs her in the leg with it to wound her so she can't get away from the monsters. And then she she finds an exit and she climbs out of it. And and it's like she's being reborn. She's coming out of this hole and it's beautiful and she's she's covered in blood and and gunk and she's just being reborn and she can forget all about her dead family and and begin a new life and then she runs like a lunatic and finds her car and she goes oh no i left the car keys what do you mean like a lunatic (laughs) (laughs) she runs to the car Uh, oh god uh, you missed my joke about her forgetting the keys in the cave and so she had to go back and get them but that didn't happen I, that had me laughing. I was like, she, she gets, she forgot her keys. And so she's like driving, driving, driving. Turns out it's all a dream. It's, it's all a dream. And she unconscious after betraying her friend and she's in the bottom of the cave. And then she starts hallucinating, I guess, about her child's birthday party. And she's like hanging out with her her little girl. And then the movie does like a slow pull out and like monsters are all over. And then you hear their, their, their monster yell. And then the movie ends and you're like, well, that was pretty satisfying. You know, like no happy endings kind of a thing. I liked it. In the other version, she gets out and she gets to the truck and she's driving away. And then she looks over and there's a jump scare because Juno's there as a ghost. Yeah, that's. That's uh, that's what happened in this one too, and and the jump. And scare then she's what, back in the cave. 
is what wakes her up back in the cave. Okay. Yeah. So it's I, like a it's I, like I a think, fake ending. Yeah, I think the other ending it's just the end of it. Oh, She's like that's the original out. ending of the movie is that like the movie just ends right there? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh. Well, then <laughs> that makes the sequel make any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the way Nick's describing some of this stuff <laughs> may may belie his uh, desire for it not to have a monster movies part because the monster movie section of the movie is actually pretty good too. There are a couple twists and turns that are a little goofy or a little clunky, but I feel anyway. And and actually, I remember seeing this in the in the uh, drive-in. Actually, oh, really? Uh huh. I saw this. I saw it accidentally, sort of. It was uh, with snakes on a plane. Really? Uh huh. And so I was taken for my birthday to go see snakes on a plane at a drive-in, and then we stuck around and saw the descent. Or maybe the descent was actually first. Since then, I've probably seen it fifteen times, and really? uh, something like that. I I wasn't expecting there to be monsters either. I don't even know what I actually knew of the movie until we were watching it. But then once the monster showed up, I was like, oh, I didn't really expect this to be a movie that had monsters in it. But I feel like I just walk away from it with like two good movies in one where I'm like, this is a pretty good monster movie. The tension's good. There are lots of moments where people are trying to be quiet and things are moving around them. Or The one moment where the one of the monsters walks right over her and like steps on her head. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's tense. Yeah, uh, that was cool. Yeah, no, the movie, def- it definitely, like, the horror movie is pretty good. It's just that the silence thing, like, they can't see anything, mm-hmm. but they can they can hear. Yeah. Also, the amount of monsters there are. I, th- I think there, I think there's just way too many of them. Oh, yeah. Especially, especially for, like, the amount of noise they make and the level of, or the uh, amount of ground they cover. And the monsters only know how to kill by, by ripping someone's throat out until it's inconvenient for them. And then they go for your stomach or your legs because they only seem to want to do throat rips with their teeth. But the stomach is right there. You can kill something just as easily through the stomach. Well, I don't really have an issue with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I will say that the numbers thing is a little funky. Like, it I, seems I guess, like there's somewhere between like four and 10 of them. And then at some point, it's like, no, there's like 50 of them crawling around. You're like, well, wait a yeah. minute. It's almost like there shouldn't be any tunnel they go down without there being monsters in it. Yeah. I guess my main complaint is like the first half of the movie is so realistic. Oh yeah. That the second half of the movie with, with the like the horror movie, I know it's ridiculous, but the horror movie is unrealistic. It's a, it's definitely a switch in tone. Yeah. And it's definitely tense. It's definitely exciting. And like the, the violence and the gore is awesome. There are moments where stuff's happening. I'm like, oh man, that's gnarly or something. I was enjoying it. But at the whole time I was kind of like, I, I kind of want more from the, I expect more from you movie based on what you've already fed me. It's, it's strange. Like I, I'm left disappointed, but satisfied. Well, and and one thing I think that the first half of the movie gets to showcase a little bit better than the second half is just how good these actresses are. It's it's a really it's good set of actresses. They're they're That's very true. They're strong. They're uh, great. They were they were terrific. Well, and they're and they're cool characters too. Like they don't feel they're not overly done with like the quirkiness. Like probably no, they feel the, like 
probably like the Irish people. one. Yeah, yeah, probably the Irish one is the most quirky, and it's just that she's got a strong accent and looks the most different. But and she doesn't sure seem what, like a caricature. Yeah, that's none of them. None of them do. Yeah, but but like I agree with you, she's the one who's the most like a caricature because I guess she's the newest friend. Like she's mm-hmm. the new girl on the trip and she's like a crazy kooky young kid who is, she's like edgy, but I don't understand her and Juno's relationship. Like, were they like a couple or were they just like professional friends or something? Like they refer to her as her mentor at one part, but then there's this one weird moment when they're outside smoking cigarettes or something. What is this relationship here? Because I thought Juno was banging main girl's husband. Yeah, I don't think it's a sexual thing. I think it's like she is teaching her this sort of sports stuff and the young girl is just like really enthusiastic about it and a little bit wild. And in a way, I think maybe she's kind of like sort of Juno's new best friend because there's distance between Juno and Sarah since the man between them died. Right. Uh, Yeah. And and all those are, are interesting plot development things that if the movie didn't turn into a horror movie would slowly be answered as the movie goes along. And I think while we've been talking about it, I've kind of figured out the difference, real difference between this and Predator Mm -hmm. is that the first half of Predator is really a mindless 80s action movie. Yeah. And the second half of Predator is like a thoughtful horror or a survival movie. Uh And, and this one is the opposite where like the first half is very smart. It's very emotional. Like you, you, you grow to care about all these characters really quick and you want to know what's going to happen to them. And then the second half is they're all just disposable for, for the sake of the movie. Like it doesn't, most of the deaths that happen in this movie don't advance the plot in nearly any way. Like, it's just like, here's the next one that dies. Yeah. Aside from the development of finding out or, or I guess more the character. Cause I think you are supposed to know from pretty early on that there was something between Juno and her husband, but I mm-hmm. think you're supposed to watch her sort of figure it out and watch their right. relationship. But aside from that particular thread kind of being elaborated on the rest of the movies, getting simpler as you go rather than more yeah. complex. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the main issue for me. Like you can start out dumb and get smart, but if you start out smart and then get dumb, it's a letdown. Hmm. Okay, I could see that. That's not. I, but that's I, not to say I didn't enjoy the movie. I I did. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. But I, well, I, I would. I'd also say you should see it again. But since you saw the descent too, you already have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But but kidding aside, I, I I'll be interested to hear like a few years from now, I'll bet that you do come back to this movie. I'd be interested to see how you think about it when you don't really have expectations to, I don't know, frustrated by or disappointed with or anything. Right. Well, that'll be interesting. I would definitely watch it again. Mm-hmm. Not anytime soon. Cause I just watched the descent part too, uh-huh. but uh, I, w- I would definitely watch this again and I would recommend it to others, but I'm not sure if I would preface it like this first half's really good. And the second half, I think I would just be like, just watch it and tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. The way we watched it, yeah. We watched like half of it and then we had to turn it off because like one of our kids woke up and we had to attend to them and then we just didn't get back to the movie until later. I think that also played into my enjoyment of it or the processing of it because we stopped it right when the movie turns into a horror movie. Uh-huh. So I was left to think about 
the whole first half of the movie for like a week or so. And then we just watched the rest of it last night. So you so, basically got to process it as two separate movies. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I wonder with the invention of time, I'll be able to <laughs> enjoy it more. Well, I, I would definitely say do check it out again sometime. And obviously, I recommend it to listeners. Now, The Descent Part 2. This movie takes place a day later, and somehow the main character is out of the cave, which which is answered by, by the fact that the movie that I watched just shows the two endings back to back. These girls are missing. There's like a search and rescue team looking for them, but they can't find them. And then this main girl shows up somehow. I don't know. There's like an old man who almost hits a deer with weird horns. And <laughs> this movie just starts. There's like a fat cop. There's a, his partner cop. And there's a, an expert cave cop or cave diver. And then two rookie cave people. And then they kidnap the main girl and say, you're coming with us to rescue your friends from the cave. And she's like, but I don't have any memory of what happened in the cave. Don't worry. It'll jog your memory. Get back in the damn cave. Is this really supposed to be the next day? Yeah, it's the next day. Oh, man. Or it's it's like a day and a half later because they didn't show up. At, at one point, they, they say, you left a roadmap or whatever with Parks Department, right? And she's like, yeah. And so I guess that's the thread that they build this movie on. <laughs> this old man, for some reason, knows about this old shack somewhere that was part of an old cave mining system and inside the cave inside the shack is an old elevator and he's like i guess you could take that down and the one cave guy's like this thing still works and he's like sonny i just found this cave shack of course it works and so they go down into this cave and they all die they all die. It's stupid. It's so bad. It's so mindless and, and lacks all of the charm of the first movie. It's so but, poorly made. But not all of the scenes. <laughs> it doesn't lack all of the scenes from the first movie because <laughs> yeah. half of them are in it. Part of the movie is just watching the first movie on a video camera. Pretty much. Although that is my favorite. That's my favorite part of the, this movie is where they find the video camera and they're watching the part on the video camera where they see the monster and they're like looking at it and a monster shows up in the frame and the, and the girls on tape start screaming and the people in real life are like, what the hell is that? And then they put the camera down and there's a monster over the one girl's shoulder. And he's like, what you watching? <laughs> <laughs> and they turn, they turn and start screaming about that. I was like, that's brilliant. That's my favorite part of this movie. But like the, the real big differences between this movie and the original are just, I think, one in the the storytelling alone where where it's just a mindless horror movie like there's no substance to this film whatsoever the set design and the cinematography is just so poor where uh, i'm not sure if i actually said this when we were talking about it before but the first movie really feels like they shot it in a cave yeah you did say that whereas this movie i was like this is totally a set like this is a yeah. terrible set and it's probably the same set that they used before and then while we're watching it the second one i was thinking about that as above so below movie yeah and how that was shot in a in a real cave and in france or or whatever and i was like this first movie feels a lot like the as above so below but without 
actually being in a cave. And I was like, well, that's a, a real accomplishment by the production team to make me feel like as a viewer to be, Oh, I, yeah. I was totally convinced that they were in a real cave and they, and they weren't. So that's, uh, that's great. And then this second movie, I was like, they're not in a cave. This is a set. This is a, a terrible set. And uh, the acting's not very good. The characters are all one dimensional and terrible. At one point they're getting ready to go down into the cave. The fat cop guy is like, trying to fit his cave diving suit over his police uniform and his gun is in the way. And the cave expert guy is like, Hey, you don't need that gun. If you try to shoot a shot off down there, it'll be like a stick of dynamite going off. And I took that as to mean it'll be really loud because we're in an enclosed environment and you're firing a gun and that'll just be really loud. Yeah. But, but apparently what it means is that you can blast the cave with a gun <laughs> you can like a gun going off inside a cave is the equivalent of three sticks of tnt are, are you saying that because that happens at some point yeah i don't remember that yeah it's not good and then fat cop loses his gun and you're like oh man this gun's definitely going to come back in the third act doesn't doesn't come back at all the only purpose the gun serves is to split the team up until they all meet up again or the survivors meet up again later my other favorite part of this movie is when the two young climbers are trying to escape the monsters and they come across the body of the dead girl who was hanging from the ceiling the, yeah. the girl I was talking about with the mangled hands. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And she's like all gross because it's been a couple days or whatever since she died. And they're like, you got to jump on her and then jump to the other ledge. And I'm like, cool. And so she like jumps, grabs this girl. And then whatever blood was left in the hanging girl's body starts spilling out onto the, the girl who's still alive. And it's like hitting her on the face. And it's really gross. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and... And then a monster shows up and then, and then terrible things happen. But overall, this is a largely forgettable and completely unnecessary sequel. Completely. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, actually, now that you're talking about that, that girl hanging from the ceiling, that reminds me, and, and this was much more confusing at the drive-in, but <laughs> I think she stabs it while it's attacking her and then it falls off of her down into the water below. Yeah. And you think it's dead, but then another girl falls into the water and it tries to yeah. attack her. Yeah, that's right. And she takes the knife that's stuck in its chest and like turns it. Yeah, that does happen. You're right. But in the drive-in, it looks <laughs> like she gives it a titty twister and it dies. <laughs> well, we've all been there. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like a massive purple nurple. But yeah, the second one's dumb. Don't watch it. Yeah, don't watch it. That's all I got to say about that. Sounds right. <laughs> all right. Well, so I guess I'll do preview corner now. All uh, right. Preview corner. Uh, got that's that remix. That's that famous theme. <laughs> it got a little more chill that time. It's <laughs> uh, late. It's not our usual morning <laughs> show. It's true. Yeah, that's why I don't sound like I'm half asleep. Um <laughs> So I saw a preview for a movie called 1917 that looked, I can't say the movie looks good, but it looks good. Like the mm -hmm. look of it is very good. And it looks like you're watching, you know, it's a World War One movie and, and it's like you're watching things really happen in the trenches. So th there was something you had been talking about recently that the King and Country or the, um, they will, 
not yeah, grow old. I think it was that we were, where you were talking about how. Well, maybe it was King and Country. You were talking about the what it was like for people in the trenches and how they were portraying that. Right. Um, this looks like it's got some of the same focus, like really showing yeah. what that was like. I read something about that movie recently, the the nineteen seventeen. Apparently, it's supposed to it's supposed to look like it's all one long shot. Oh, really? So I guess it's like the story of one long battle. Oh. But uh, it's directed by Sam Mendes, so I'm excited about that. What else has he directed? He directed the last two Bond movies, uh, Skyfall and Spectre. Spectre, not so good. Yeah. But he also is like the director. I think he did American Beauty. He did do American Beauty and uh, Road to Perdition. Oh. And then he did Jarhead, which I thought was going to be good, but I did not like it. I didn't really care for Jarhead either. I didn't think Road to Perdition was all that great either. But uh, I love Road to Perdition. That movie is spectacular. We oh, he did Away We Go. Away We Go is a good movie. Never saw that it's, Yeah, it's all right. John Krasinski and I think Maya Rudolph. Anyway, I like Sam Mendes' movies. They're usually quite good. Well, hopefully this one is too. I then saw a preview or another preview for Tenet. And it was the same preview as before where you just see bullet holes in a window and then a dude looking through it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anything more than that. Then I saw a preview for Birds of Prey, which Uh. looks like shit. I mean, that movie just looks bad. There's nothing in that preview at all that could get me even near a theater. And I I can't quite figure this out. I, I think Margot Robbie's a good actress. So it's probably not her, but I kind of was asking myself, I'm like, I'm not sure if Margot Robbie is not that great as Harley Quinn or whether the depiction is just pretty poorly written. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking it's probably that cause she's, she's a good actress. She's probably doing a fine job, but there's, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't enjoy this Harley Quinn and these movies look shitty. Yeah. The, um, the bad guy in that movie is Ewan McGregor. And he's playing Black Mask, who's a Batman villain. Yeah. And uh, no Black Mask. <laughs> and that <laughs> is preview. not Black- somebody who I would think should be playing Black Mask. Nope. Also, he's not wearing a Black Mask. Yeah. That's- Black Mask always is wearing. Yeah, he's usually got that going on. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's his thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of want to say they should have someone like Hugo Weaving, but that's because he played Red Mask. But... <laughs> In Red Skull. Red Skull, rather. Um, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> but but in all seriousness, like someone, if you're going to have Black Mask in something, get somebody who can be sort of over the top and funky. I like Ewan McGregor, but he's not someone I think of, of having gravitas. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good word. That's kind of who Black Mask is. Like, he's a heavy. Yeah. The one thing that I liked about the trailer was that it's real Harley Quinn specific. At the end, it says Birds of Prey or the Emancipation of Harley Quinn or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know what would be interesting is if they have five different trailers and each trailer focuses on a different girl. And I was like, that'll be interesting. But I don't, again, much like Aquaman or Suicide Squad, because I went into Aquaman with hope, much like Suicide Squad, I have no confidence in this movie. I, I, one, I had no idea it was actually being made and this close to being finished. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it kind of came out of nowhere, too. I heard it was being talked about, and I thought that Suicide Squad 2 was the sure thing, and the Birds of Prey was sort of a pipe dream. And then it's like, hey, that Birds of Prey movie's coming out. I'm like, oh, so they spent like a couple months on that, huh? All right, then. 
That'll suck. Yeah. yeah and so that suicide, the new Suicide Squad movie is happening too. And like they're making that right now. And James Gunn's the director. Yeah. Let's see how that goes. I guess James Gunn would be the part to be hopeful about there, if anything. Yeah, that's the only thing that has me excited about it. I was like, oh, okay. And then when he's done that, he's going to do the, they're bringing him back for the new Guardians. Yeah. What a time. What a time. Indeed. I saw a preview for Star Wars, and it was that same one that shows all eight movies up to this point. And yeah, I'll see it. (laughs) That's all I got to say about that. I am just not excited at all. Like it, well, it feels like a chore. Uh, I, I have, like, like go I, I gotta go see. I gotta go see this Star Wars movie. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I don't feel quite that way. I feel that way more about the Terminator movie, except that I might not actually go see it <laughs> on YouTube because I watch a lot of YouTube. It's like every mo- video that I watch has a Terminator commercial in front of it, and it's the same one that's 15 seconds long that you can't skip. And it basically ends with Linda Hamilton saying, "I'll be back," and I'm like, "No, no, no, no." It's just it's so lazy. Yeah. And I was kind of into this movie until the real short trailer. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Although Arnold Schwarzenegger looks much younger in this movie than he has recently. Like he looks like a younger man than he than he is. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, I guess that's what facial hair will do for you. I read a, a fan theory about Schwarzenegger in this movie. And they said that he's the, the character that he plays in this movie isn't a Terminator and that he's the guy that, that the robots base the, uh, what is the he, model the T-800? On, T 800? Yeah. yeah. They base him on this, on him. And then he has to like, he joins up with them to fight him. I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting twist. But yeah, another chore movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll probably end up in the theater for that one, like on a day where I'm like, I got nothing at all to do. <laughs> Damn it. Guess I'll go see that Terminator movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star Wars one, though, doesn't feel like a chore to me. I I'm, I, I don't enjoy the preview, but I, I actually think I'll probably enjoy the movie. Jumanji 2, I don't have anything to say about that that I didn't say before. And then the last one was Terminator. So that's it for Preview Corner. All right. Another successful trip. Yeah. So Joker. All right. Where to start? So leading up to this movie... And for those of you who've been listening for some time, you will have heard this conversation ongoing. Leading up to this movie, I just really wasn't seeing anything in the previews that made me excited about it. Kind of just thought, well, that looks dark. And they're telling some version of the Joker that doesn't really have anything to do with Joker, really. Or, you know, the universe that I'm used to him being from. Right. And then towards the time that I actually went and saw it, like, you know, I started hearing things about it here and there, like winning awards and whatnot. And I was like, okay, I'm curious. Maybe this is, maybe I've undersold this to myself. And that's not the case at all. I, it was exactly what I had felt like the whole time leading up to then. Really? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just a depressing ass movie. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just. So I, I and I guess I'm I'm not I won't spoil things. I guess I won't share many details. I'll I'll start just saying this. It's it's a good movie as far as a movie like Taxi Driver goes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to do 
anything if it didn't want to with the Joker. If it had just not called himself Joker, this movie would have just been exactly what it is. It wouldn't have mattered. Okay. Does the Joker part just feel tacked on? Like, you know how, like, most Die Hard movies are just an action movie that they put Bruce Willis in and call it Die Hard? Is this, like, a a drama that they wrote? And they're like, ooh, this could be a Joker movie. Actually, that's a pretty good comparison. I haven't seen all those Die Hard movies, and this is much better as a movie than those. But as far as, like, being part of a universe or franchise or something, yes. that's, that's That's pretty on point. Interesting. Um, and apparently that's kind of how it was made. Like uh, the guy was who, who wrote it was pitching this movie and nobody wanted it. And then he was like, well, how about if I call it Joker? And then they're like, all right, cool. We can make a lot of money off of that. Hmm. What this movie is about. It basically is like, hey, here's a guy who's got mental illnesses. And it's not exactly consistent with one specific diagnosis and the point overall seems to be hey here's a movie about someone who shouldn't be neglected and here's what it's like when we neglect people until they lose their mind Mm -hmm. and that's it (laughs) (laughs) that is pretty much it joaquin phoenix does a fine job the acting's fine there's to a degree, and, and I say this kind of softly because there are some things in the movie that if you're watching it, you'll go, well, that doesn't quite fit. It's not quite consistent. But I'll say this. It's as if like throughout this movie, I'm like, man, if just like one person were nice to this guy, he wouldn't turn into a bad guy. Yeah. And that's if you've seen a movie where people just get treated like crap the whole time. That's this. And so what they end up doing now, I, I know some of the criticisms are out there about like this This movie just says a bunch about mental illness, but I don't think the movie's about il- mental illness. I think it's about the society, the, the illness in society of not treating people, not taking care of them, not really noticing people. And in that way, the, the character ends up being someone you can sort of understand and more, um, what's, a, what's a word, a humanizing. Uh. And that kind of, for me is not nearly as interesting as like a agent of chaos, sociopathic joker who you don't understand Mm -hmm. and who is in it just to mess with the system and kind of just having fun making things go awry. Right. You know, and that's, that's a joker I really like, you know, and that's how it was portrayed, you know, in dark Knight with Heath Ledger. and, And that was really a, fascinating character and you know like i said if this weren't a joker movie i'd go like this is perfectly fine there's this is a decently told story of someone becoming this way but where it ends up i'm like i don't i don't really want to be able to understand this guy this well and have it doesn't it just doesn't feel like joker it doesn't feel like a joker that said i i've i've kind of gone back and forth since I seen this in terms of how I feel about it. And one of the things that I was thinking when I left the movie theater is I don't want to see this Joker ever interact with Batman, but I've thought about this a bit more and I, and I, and I've changed my mind about that. It wouldn't be at all the same kind of thing as a Batman movie, like the dark Knight or something, but to take this sort of like different kind of universe and have it if if there were a sequel to this where he's interacting with Batman 
and it's still from his perspective, mm-hmm. that would be kind of interesting. I wouldn't enjoy it the way I would with a real Joker, but I would enjoy it in terms of like, if you've been following this character around and he is kind of sympathetic to some degree and it's more of a revenge story on society than it is a guy just messing with what could potentially be a good world. Mm-hmm. When Batman comes in and beats the crap out of it, it would be a very different experience. Uh-huh. And and like Batman might seem like just a real jerk. <laughs> and I kind of want to see that. I do sort of want to see like, okay, well now that I'm sort of not on the Joker's side, but like feeling things more from his perspective, when Batman comes in and beats him up, I'm going to be like, oh, you you aren't a good guy. <laughs> like, you'd be like, yeah, he needs to be stopped because he's dangerous. But but you're just beating the crap out of this poor guy. You're knocking out his teeth, and he needs a doctor, right? So yeah, yeah. So so Joaquin Phoenix does do a great job though as an angry, hurt, unstable guy that just happens to call himself Joker. And there there's something about it when it comes to the the sort of character that he is that. In this sort of revenge story thing, he's he's playing a role where everything's just kind of he he's in a very passive position where he's he's getting turned into the Joker by the world. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, another aspect of like the Joker that really fits for me is just that he's active. He's like I am very much doing things by my own accord and I'm imposing myself on the world. And this is more like a guy who's just begging to be seen. Anyway, I, I guess I could I could talk a lot about this character from different angles, but I can't really use details, and maybe right. we can do that a bit more once you've seen it. I, I do um, think go- it's worth seeing. I'll recommend it. Okay. W- one of my concerns, I guess, is um, the, the, the fact that they're making the Joker a sympathetic character, mm-hmm. and he's not a sympathetic character. Like, that's like, isn't it in the... Um, What's that one real popular Batman story where he shoots Batgirl? Oh, uh, uh, the killing joke. The killing joke. Isn't that like what this story is based off of, too? Like where you get the Joker's backstory a little bit? Yeah, there's some there's some stuff borrowed from there. And like that, those are the parts of that book, which are it's a it's a great read. But like the Joker's backstory stuff is it's like supposed to make you feel bad for him a little bit. And then you see what he does to people and you're like, Oh, he's awful, but I feel bad for him. And I'm like, he's not a character that needs, he, he doesn't need you to feel bad for him in order to exist. Like he exists despite however you feel about anything. He just is. And the fact that like, like he just has like, I think it's another storyline with him. Like the one bad day, like everybody's one bad day away from being him yeah. is not, is not true. Like the Joker is many bad days away from becoming the Joker. And it's just like everything that happens to him happened. And then, and then he becomes the Joker. But like the, the, the last, the killing joke story tries to make it seem like, Oh man, it's just cause he fell into this vat of acid and went crazy. And then him and Batman share a good laugh, or he Batman murders him. Apparently, some people <laughs> some people believe I that that's what happens that, yeah. at the end of that. But yeah, the Joker it's it's he's an interesting character because he's not sympathetic, and he does all these things just basically to piss people off. Yeah, yeah, he's he's getting he's sort of getting off or getting enjoyment out of twisting people. 
and making them yeah. break and making them, you know, that's what he's trying to do to Batman all the time. He's trying to get Batman to kill him to break his own rule. It's like, oh, there's this one thing who, and, and I think, you know, that's why it's so much fun for Joker too. He's like, oh, there's, there's someone who can resist this and I'm going to tear him down. Yeah. And it's kind of like in that moment in the dark night where he's like, he's like, I, I, I'm like a, a dog chasing a car and I wouldn't know what to do if I caught it. And right. I'm like, that's, that would be the case too. If he did crack Batman, I think he'd be proud for like half a second. And then he'd be like, yeah. Oh, the game's over. Right. And there's a, um, there's an episode of Batman, the animated series. I think it's called the man who killed Batman. Uh huh. And it's like the story of this little wienery guy who accidentally kills Batman or he thinks he kills Batman. Uh huh. And he becomes like the real like hot shit in the underworld to the point where the Joker finds out who he is. And then he calls him to the Joker's hideout or whatever. And the Joker's like goes on this whole long diatribe about you killed Batman. The only thing that makes my life worth living. Right. And the guy and the guy he's like really. And so like the Joker like puts him in the Batman's coffin and is like going to walk away from crime because he just doesn't have anything to do now that Batman's gone. Right. There's like no the thrill. Joker's the Joker's devastated that Batman is dead. Yeah. And it's that's his whole his sole purpose for existing is to torment the Batman. Uh, there is no Joker without the Batman, but the Batman exists without the Joker. It, at least in a literal sense. Yeah. It, there, But there, there probably do need to be other people doing evil things for Batman to exist. Right. But right. He's not like my sole purpose is to chase the Joker forever. Yeah. Um, it's to fight crime forever. Well, I think I mean, Batman would be the same way if he finished killing like or, or stopping crime. I think Bruce Wayne would be like, oh, fudge. What do I do now? <laughs> I guess I'll go to Italy with Catwoman and I <laughs> drink coffee. Guess I'll go to therapy now so I can do happy things. The beginning of the Killing Joke book, doesn't it start with him going to visit the Joker? And, and it's like him saying, look, this is going to end with one of us killing the other. Can we just stop? And then it turns out the Joker's not there. But like, isn't that how that story starts? Uh, the lines sound familiar, but I don't. I don't remember. It's been a no. long time since I've read the Killing Joke. The one one last thing to say about this Joker movie, though, that I thought was kind of interesting is that, like, it really now this isn't something I think it'd need to prove to you, but mm -hmm. it's it's an ongoing thing that people talk about with the DC movies that I think just completely misses the point. Mm -hmm. And I said everyone complains that they're too dark, as though that's mm -hmm. the problem. And right. I'm like, the problem with these is not the darkness. The problem with them is they are terrible writing. They're just right. shitty. It's not that they need to be lightened up. It's not that they need to be more colorful. It's just that they need to be good. And yeah. this movie is dark as hell. It's yeah. it's not as violent as you'd probably expect it to be, but it is dark and it is gloomy and depressing. And people, I mean, it's doing really well. Nobody's mm -hmm. complaining that it's a bad movie. They're worried about making the character sympathetic and stuff like that. But it's mm -hmm. more controversy than it is like people saying it's a bad movie. And I think it's just, it goes to show like the issue with DC isn't the darkness. It's bad writing. Right. And here's, it's here's some proof. It's, it's tone and consistency. Mm -hmm. But that's but it, good that a movie like this did is doing well because maybe they'll 
try to tell more smaller stories to to maybe get their feet under them. Yeah, well, and maybe like the the Batman, you know, maybe when that comes out, it'll be an interesting take that's not trying to be Marvel and not. Yeah, you can just tell bad. a Batman story. Although I did just find out today that Zoe Kravitz is playing Catwoman, and I can't say I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that wasn't thrilling. I, but I don't know how she is as an actress. I don't think I've seen her in anything, so I can't. I'm, I'll reserve judgment. Well, that's the issue I do have with it. I mean, she's a gorgeous girl. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a problem with her being in the cat suit or anything. But when it comes to the acting, I'm like, she's not very good. Uh huh. I don't want that. I mean, she's she's a pretty young actress. I think she she might be. I don't know, working on her chops or something. Sure. Is yeah. that all you have for the Joker until, until yeah, we I can talk about it. it in depth? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. That brings us to our movie rankings list. And I'll go first because I already have it open. All right. And I'm going to put The Descent in the new number 25 spot above Overlord, but below the red turtle i put it above overlord because i think i want to see the descent again before i see overlord again uh-huh and overlord was fine i liked it i liked it well enough it was quite entertaining you still haven't seen that have you I, no i still need to get around to it that's a movie much like the descent where like it starts out as a world war ii movie and turns into a horror movie uh-huh but much like the descent it gets dumber as it goes along so it's disappointing but it's, but it's fun. It's a fun ride. I'm going to give The Descent two and a half stars and a yes for I would like slash recommend it. The next movie in the list, we got to go all the way down to number 85 between Robin Hood 2018 and Tank 432 for Barbie as the Princess and the Pauper. I'm going to give this movie one and a half stars. The extra half a stars because I liked some of the songs. <laughs> but Jackie, no, I'm sorry. I am not going to be able to recommend this to anyone. I do not recommend checking out Barbie as the princess and the pauper. And then moving a few more slots down to the number 89 slot between Mrs. Claus and Batman and Harley Quinn goes The Descent Part 2. Wow. Which I will give one star it gets the extra half a star because some pretty creative kills in that movie. But wow, uh, that Descent movie must 2 have is pissed you off. <laughs> it's really not good. It's two from the bottom. It's it's it goes Descent 2, Batman and Harley Quinn and uh, Hell comes to Frogtown. And I would not recommend The Descent Part 2. But you would recommend Barbie, The Princess, and The Pauper first? No, no, I I would. If I had to say watch one movie, I would say check out this Barbie movie. It's, <laughs> it's better All than right. Descent 2. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, you mentioned in passing the uh, 2018 Robin Hood. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. I think that... Since that's on there and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is on there, I think you're kind of obligated to go watch that Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie and see what you think of that. But I've seen it. <laughs> I don't want to have to watch it again. <laughs> you got <laughs> to say where it goes on your ranking list. Uh, okay. But then I but get you... to watch the Disney Robin Hood too. And then, oh, nice. and then I can just put that towards the top because that movie's charming. I don't know that I've ever seen it. Oh, it's quite good. It's it's total seventies, but like it's the songs are good, the characters are good. 
It, it basically stars half of the cast of the Jungle Book for, for some Right, reason. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just playing different characters. They got clothes on. Yep. All right. Well, I am going to place Joker on my movie hierarchy list. And I've placed this movie like four times now. Um, <laughs> but I, I finally settled on putting it between Backcountry and Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, okay. Because I enjoyed it more than Spider-Man Far From Home. But I don't think I ever want to see it again. Really? Not again? Uh, how many stars? You know, I'm going to go with four. Wow. Yeah, I th- it's a it's a better movie than where it is on my list, I think. It's, it's just not exactly for me. Okay. And you've already said you would recommend it. So I would. Why? Yeah. All right, Matt. So anything for Midwest Matt recommends for this week? You know, there was something that I had thought of before that. I, I know I had mentioned at another point in time, but I don't think it's up on the Midwest Matt recommends list. So, uh, yeah, I think people should check out the show Invisibilia. It's okay. a, it's a great podcast that gets into like how minds work. And if you used to like radio lab and you've kind of lost your love for radio lab, like I kind of have, this podcast is a great follow up to that. And I think it has something to do with the producer Lulu Miller having gone from radio lab over to invisibilia. I think that mm-hmm. her, uh, her, uh, she contributes something kind of special, her, her and special flavor to some of these podcasts. Okay. Yeah. I finally listened to the new tool album. Nice. It's quite good. I enjoyed it very much. It sounds like they're old stuff, so I'm like, okay. Like, listening listening to their new songs, I got their old songs stuck in my head. <laughs> I was like, I'm okay with this. Cool with that. Play it again, Sam. Yeah, definitely, uh, if you were to string those the songs from Fear Inoculum into, like, in between the Lateralist songs... Mm-hmm. Then it's it's it probably flow together pretty well. Yeah, I concur. Nice. <laughs> All right, check us out on the internet at thisweekinfilm.com. But if you want to know anything about the show, check it out there at thisweekinfilm.com. If you want to share with us what you watched this week, send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. And I guess if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Thanks for listening.